3: Reproducer.
2: Hello, I'm Jenny Nelson.
3: And I'm Mark Jeeves, and welcome to Reproducer, a podcast all about the art of radio production. Now, Jenny and I work together on Scala Radio, and we've been lucky enough, both of us, to spend most of our working life in the industry, uh, doing the job that we love the most, which is that of producing radio, making radio shows. But what we wanted to do was kind of speak to other people in the industry to find out exactly what that job is. What is the job of a radio producer?
2: And our guest this episode is Adam You.
1: You're the person right at the centre of everything with, I think, the most important role. Make sure that your presenter and your show is delivering what the management team are looking for, but also make sure that the presenter is comfortable and happy with that. That's a real skill. So I think, the most difficult skill.
2: So we spoke to Adam a little while ago, and I think it's really worthwhile saying that we spoke to him before the news was announced that Steve Wright was leaving Radio 2, because that's one of the shows that he has worked on in his career, which is an astoundingly brilliant career. Um, We find out from him how he got into radio, what he still loves about it. He talks about talent management, which is a really big part of radio production, the differences between producing on-air talent at commercial versus BBC networks, and he also shares the biggest influences on his career as well. So lots to talk about. Let's get stuck in.
1: Re- Producer. Re- Re- Reproducer. Reproducer.
2: <laughs> Welcome, Adam Ewman. So your career, uh, long career, I think it involves, I'm going to just give a quick rundown. As far as I am aware, Kerrang! XFM as was Radio 2, 6 Music, Radio 1, production company listen you are currently development director in the international team at acast which is hopefully something we'll get to later have i missed anything off any of them uh,
1: the al- almost all of it um, i started out my <laughs> career at a radio station called beat 106 um as a producer and um, which uh then became xfm scotland then became galaxy scotland and is now capital scotland so um that's i think the only one you missed out um, otherwise okay. you got well, it thanks. and student radio and community radio
2: So going back to the beginning then, what drew you to radio in the first place?
1: I remember a very specific moment when I was, I think I was 15 years old. I was a really, really big music fan. And I was walking down the street with a friend uh, talking about the fact that I love music. And I really wish there was something I could do like career wise in music. Um, And actually, I'd really love to play records on the radio. They were records back then, you see. Um, and this friend said, Oh, you do realize there's a radio station. I, I grew up in a place called Pitlochry, um, which has and still has had the first ever, I think, the first ever community radio station license, a station called Heartland FM. And they said, You should go and get involved in that. And I went, Oh, wow, that's a great idea. And, you know, it's run by volunteers, it's run by the community. So I knew people that worked there. And I got in touch with somebody and that's how it started for me. I basically said, can I come play records on the radio? And eventually that's what I did at a community level. And I got this passion for music out by starting out as like, literally the, the, the token young presenter on this radio station, um, and played like loud rock records on a Friday night, um, to Highland Perthshire. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I just, this, this, again, you know, originally for me, it was music radio and and this ability to share my passion for music with, even if it was just 10 people, I just found really, really exciting. So I'd discover music and then I'd go and talk about it on the radio and that's where it started, I guess.
2: And now with decades of experience behind you, what would you say um, you love about radio and what do you... If hate might be too strong a word, but what what do you dislike about um, as a listener and working in the industry?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, it, it, for, for me, it's still that the thing that I originally loved that hasn't changed. The fact that I can turn the radio on at any point if I want to. I I, I now listen to a lot of speech radio, a lot of news radio, and if if I, if I want to know what's going on in the world, the LBC, for example, Five Live, they're always there, and I can turn it on and I can just feel like I have a sense of what's going on and it's a real person talking to me in real time. It's live theoretically. Um, And that's, that's the speech side of it. But when it comes to music, cause I'm still really into music, I still have go-to shows on say radio one or six music um, that I will listen to either live or on demand that have a passionate person like I was back when I started out as a presenter, when I was 15 telling me and getting excited about this new bit of music that maybe i haven't heard um and and it's yeah it's that it's that connection it's learning it's passion it's it's entertainment as well on if i'm listening during the day on on other radio stations but it is that it's it's that that is for me the the the, the most exciting bit about radio is the, the human element that goes in between And that possibly leads me on to the thing that I don't like as much in some radio stations where the the competition is so fierce for share of ear. Um, I think radio has to be so much more than just a set of records with nothing much happening in between. It needs that human element, that either either passion or entertainment or information that differentiates uh, radio from streaming services, the things that we can get elsewhere slightly more readily. Um, So I guess that dislike is where you still listen to some radio stations that maybe don't do that bit as well and they're just jukeboxes. There is a place for that, but I don't know if that place is as relevant anymore in radio now that there are streaming services and so on. But, yeah, it's that human connection, learning, and being entertained and just hearing genuine passion.
2: And for you in your career, Have you got a proudest moment?
1: I think it would have been when I was at Six Music, um, a radio station that I still listen to a lot, probably my most listened to radio station, I think because it's so unique and so different, you don't, there is nothing else like it. Um, I was an editor, I worked there as an editor. I oversaw a lot of different shows there. and I was part of bringing Eggy Pop into the network, and that's something I remain incredibly proud of. I mean, you know, to 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 be to help persuade one of the most iconic musicians in the world um, to come and share his passion for music and tell his stories um, on that radio station, um, and then launch it, and then listen. It's still there years later. <laughs> um and and he's just has such an amazing voice, such an amazing storyteller and such an amazing um repertoire of music that he, that he plays it's just' it's something I, I remain really really proud of now I've got lots of moments you know, and lots of for lots of different reasons, but that's if I had to pick one it probably is that
2: how did you do it then how did you convince him?
1: how did we convince him um I think at that radio station um we were lucky in that we were able to him um, offer him effectively a slot on the radio to do with what he wanted. And that's quite rare. You couldn't necessarily do that in commercial radio or even something like Radio 1, Radio 2. But 6 Music is quite unique in that respect. And it's about the curator. And, and to say to someone like hip Pop, seriously, we want... He respected the station. He listened to the station already. So it's half the battle. He knew what it stood for. And he knew that it stood for the same sort of values that, that he has. Um, so to be able to say, come do your thing, basically... Um, I think is ultimately why, but I think there's probably only one radio station that maybe could have done that in that way. Um, and then to, to 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 stay true to that and allow him to come and do his thing week in, week out, where he is fully respected as the curator and the storyteller um, and not interfered with by, you know, the, there is a producer in the mix, of course, and they make sure that show is as good as it possibly can be. And that producer will recommend music, but ultimately... Iggy is the reason the audience comes in the first place uh, to listen. And if you were to change that, it wouldn't work in the same way.
2: So if Iggy Pop's your proudest moment, do you have a nightmare moment or one that you look back and think, well, a low point that you're willing to share?
1: Um, I tell you what, it's not so much that it's a low point. um, uh, Maybe it's more, more of a general answer, but I've been lucky to have worked with, some very talented presenters um who are difficult um and that i found really really interesting i did 10 years in commercial radio um before i then joined the bbc and i think there is there's definitely a different approach to how you might produce um talent on air talent, should I say, in commercial and the BBC. And to be fair, even on individual BBC radio stations, depending on what the priorities are on the radio stations. So, you know, if you are lucky enough to be a producer that works with these types of talented individuals, you end up coming up against some quite difficult situations. Um, And maybe you don't manage to get the very best from the presenter, depending on who that presenter is. Uh, maybe you do. Maybe that's another proud moment that little wins are, are are really important. But I guess if you get to produce, say, presenters that have done it for 30, 40 years and are absolutely at their top of their game, that's quite a challenging type of show or type of presenter to produce um, because they really know what they're doing and, you know, you might know what you're doing as well, but, you know, what is it What is it that you can bring to that presenter that really adds value? Uh, and if they're quite set in their ways, and maybe they're set in their ways for good reasons because they really know what they're doing, how can you influence? How can you change? How can you make them better? How can you help them move forward when radio needs to reinvent itself? Um, that's, you know, I'm clearly deliberately not naming names here, but... Um, it's it's the, it's the biggest challenge, I suppose, of having been, you know, in the production side of radio for years is is getting the best out of presenters and every presenter is different and some and are more challenging your, than others.
2: What would your advice be then to to a producer having those kind of issues, the, the set in the way issues from the talent who've been doing what they do and they do it very well for decades? What's your advice been in the past or what would it be?
1: I mean, obviously every presenter is different and the way that you work with each presenter has to flex for that presenter's style and quirky ways because they're all mad, aren't they? (laughs) Um, But, you know, the way that you might approach producing uh, a younger, uh, newer presenter who maybe needs more development is going to differ to how you might approach producing that... A very well long established very successful top of the game presenter and but there are probably also lots of similarities in that i think getting their trust um really understanding what they need from you as the producer and it might be that all they need from you is the tools and the information um to then do their thing or they might need a a deep level of, of guidance and engagement from you and advice and coaching or somewhere in the middle. But I guess that's the point, isn't it? That each one is different. And whilst I may imply that I've worked with some big presenters who can be quite difficult because they've done it for so long, that doesn't mean to say that you can't help them be the very best possible presenter that they want to be. And it might just take a little bit longer, a little bit more time. And maybe this idea that you plant in their mind one day that they don't seem interested in might come back around a couple of months later as their idea. It doesn't matter. The end result's the same. Um, You know, 10 years ago, trying to persuade a a presenter that they should really be involved in social media in some way because quite a large chunk of their audience use it. And therefore it's a way to engage with your audience um, was a good example. Nah, it's, it's, it's not worth it. Let's not do it. Let's not get involved. But actually, keep having that conversation, keep bringing it up and just be patient that eventually that presenter might come around or, or realise themselves or come back and say, you know what, you're right. Um, but the brand new presenter that's just started their first show on Radio X or Radio 1 or whatever may get it immediately and they may be looking to you to really steer and advise what they do. One of the things that we've found when
3: talking to people is that there are generally uh, somebody who has been either mentor or has just made them go, okay, I get this now, or has been a very strong influence. In your case, who would that be and why?
1: I, I, I imagine this might be the case for quite a lot of people, but the, the the people that you work with earlier in your career, I think are probably going to be pretty influential because it's where you learn first. It's where you start to learn, learn your skills. And there was an original boss of mine who ran Beat 106 um, when I was a producer there and went on to run Kerrang!, where I became head of music um, called Andrew Jeffries. And he was just really, really focused on one very specific way of doing radio, but that very focused, very formatted, tightly um, presented, tightly produced Um format that 20 years ago really worked and and was big and I just you know I I, he's also someone that um, took a bit of a risk took a bit of a gamble on me because I was still really new in I don't think I even had a contract at the radio station beat 106 at the time and I think he hopefully saw someone that would work hard and so he brought me in properly and and got me sorted and started teaching me and gave me quite a lot of responsibility quite quickly, including music programming, which was the thing that I'd always really wanted to do. And he effectively taught me how to do that and then trusted me to get on with it. Um, so that's an example of someone really early on in my career that I think inevitably will will shape who you might become long-term, but also you look at people that you've worked with over the years and you take the good and bad points from them as well. You know what they're great at and you see and you want to mirror, but also maybe what, and I don't mean him necessarily in particular, but what people are not so great at as producers or programmers, you may learn from that as well and think that's what I'm not going to do. And then you learn from your own mistakes, of course. But then I think later in my career, um, I, I I was lucky enough when I, I joined the BBC after commercial radio, I, I Went on to produce Steve Wright in the afternoon, um, who is just an absolute legend as a presenter. And you know, I, I he's a has very high standards when it comes to his producers. Um, and that, as a producer, really forced me to up my game significantly. That you know, if you missed an edit or made a mistake in a script or gave him wrong information or whatever, he would rightly, because he has a large audience on Radio 2, not be particularly happy about that. And that just made me think more carefully about what I did as a producer and how I went about it and my attention to detail. And also just the basics of radio and what works and what doesn't and the, the language that you might use as a presenter and therefore that you might put in as a script as a producer um i learned so much about that from steve as that very experienced presenter about how best to communicate with an audience how to use real language not journalistic language um just talk like they talk and and so on just 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 lo- lots of little small things over my 3 years producing that show that i took away but it was particularly the attention to detail thing that it's like standards basically be as good as you possibly can be and you'll have an audience of 8 million as he does
3: I think that's fascinating that you talk about Steve Wright like that because everyone that I've ever spoken to him who has worked around him has said, that's it. it and, and it's almost like, okay, so if you do the basics absolutely brilliantly and you understand your audience then, uh, and you do that consistently, and it's the consistency that's the, that's the thing that is generally missing, I think, then you will get this result. If Thinking about the lessons that you learn from him, I'm sure people listening to this would be fascinated to talk about Steve Wright just for the for, you know, whole hour. But can you think of any standout things that he taught you that you would go, okay, that, okay, scripts, get your details right, all of that? Anything that he would have gone, that you walk away from that show going, I will always do this from now on. <laughs> Best lessons.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One of, one of his big things was preparation. And when I say preparation, it's not necessarily that he as a presenter would do all that preparation himself. It's not necessarily that he would watch every single film of every single guest that he would ever interview before the interview, but if whatever tools he used, if you go into that show as a guest to be interviewed, he comes across like he really knows who you are, why you're there, what it is you're currently up to, and what you're doing. And, you know, that a lot of that's to do with the process and behind the scenes. A lot of it's done by the producer, the co-host and so on. Um, there are reams and reams of notes that, that make all the information available to the presenter. But the end result is Ricky Gervais goes in to see Steve Wright. Steve absolutely comes across like he knows everything about Ricky Gervais. Um, and Ricky Gervais walks away having had a really good experience um, as an interviewee. Therefore, the next time you ask him to come into the show, he'll say, absolutely, let's do it. Um, I know we only did it three months ago, but I really enjoyed that experience. And I just think that I've seen so many (laughs) presenters do equivalent interviews where they sort of bumble their way through. It's really clear they've not read the book. They've not they've not they've not really thought about what they're going to do. They think they're just going to wing it. And okay, some people can wing it to an extent. But if you make the interviewer, sorry, the interviewee feel as comfortable as they possibly can in the room on the day they will let more out they will talk about more they will share more and then they might even talk about it afterwards and let their social media followers know that. i just did a great interview with steve Wright or whatever presenter so i get that that's kind of back to what i was saying before about attention to detail isn't it attention to detail on all fronts
3: reproducer So, taking all of that on board and taking the fact that you've worked you know, with some, obviously some extraordinary talent and all of that, if you could now sit down then with you back at original, uh, was it Beat 106, your, your first station? Yeah, yeah. If you, could, if you could sit down at your original radio station and have a chat with yourself,
1: what's the piece of advice that you'd give yourself? Your younger self. My younger self. Because I, I mean, I was, a, I, I was a presenter there as well as a producer. And I don't remember doing nearly enough rep in advance of shows, or even as a producer in advance of shows, because I don't actually, I don't know why, um, I think maybe linked to the format of the radio station, which was very much that was, this is, um, but I would, <laughs> um, you know, this would probably be going against the format of the station at the time. But, um, you know, my advice would be just, just do more, say more, have more, make it about more. That's not about length, by the way, that's about the quality rather than the quantity of what you say and what you talk about and what you you do in your radio show. You might well still be doing lots of nonstop music, but these bits in between the tracks are really, really important and really impactful. And a lot of presenters, I can hear it, are literally just reading from the, the logger notes, from the music log that, you know, I heard them say yesterday, I already know they're on tour. I know you've read that because literally you've just gone, what can I say about this artist? Um, there's so much more that can be said and you have to think with every link you've got to think you know you get got a combination of new audience and and old, old audience you can't just say that band they're great live aren't they everybody that's boring that's that's not unique Go in there with something proper to say and something that's meaningful and, and that goes back to that original thing I was saying about is either you know informative or it's entertaining or it's really passionate one of these things
2: the, the core of why we're doing these these podcasts and these conversations, Adam, is to kind of hopefully for people who still work in the industry to kind of celebrate the role of a producer, but also for people who are wanting to get into the role of audio production, hopefully to provide some some advice. but. I mean, I, I think it's fascinating because, as, as you've said, you know, with presenting talent, everyone is an individual. So the producer kind of has to adjust to the needs of the presenter. But on the whole, what skills does a great producer possess, in your opinion?
1: First of all, personal skills, um, the personal skills that allow you to really get to know your presenter. Uh, and I don't necessarily mean become best friends with your presenter. That's a different thing. Can be problematic. Doesn't mean it can't be done. Um, it's about getting to know your presenter and, and what they need from you as a producer and that understanding what that uh, that bespoke thing is that you can do for them. Um, understanding what you can do for them to make them the best possible presenter that they need to be. Um, and understanding, you know, t- things like timing and when to bring certain things up and how, you know, it just it's everything. Just get to know that presenter inside out and back on the personality thing, just being genuinely a... Uh, an amenable outgoing very easy to deal with person um all presenters have egos um they can you know they're fragile egos because they go in front of the mic every day and and they perform and sometimes it goes well sometimes it goes badly maybe they're doing amazingly but they get that one tweet from a listener that says i don't rate what you do they're fragile so you have to help them through that And just be supportive. And that's a really important trait, I think, of a producer is to be supportive and encouraging. Um, I think to be a coach and a mentor is important. How you go about doing that is probably different depending on who the presenter is. It can still be done on those very, very experienced presenters that have been doing it for longer than you. But you just maybe have to go about it a slightly different way and uh, helping coach and, and teach and sharing the knowledge that you have to make that presenter the best possible talent they can be so they also feel comfortable asking you your opinion on things and and they will use you as a sounding board someone to bounce off so that's kind of the i would say the personal skills side of things but clearly on the other side of things you just got to be really really organized um really on it really prepped um to to give that presenter everything that they need there there is i think an important role as a producer as well as being that sort of I don't want to say middleman because that's not quite accurate, but that, but certainly a person in the middle, which is the same thing between, you know, what goes out, uh, comes out of the speakers and what the radio station wants to happen in the first place, which can of, often be maybe slightly different. Uh, what the presenter might want to do might be slightly different to what management might want to do. So uh, you've got to be quite diplomatic as a producer and, um, make sure that your presenter and your show is delivering what the management team are looking for, but also make sure that the presenter is comfortable and happy with that. That's a real skill. So I think the most difficult skill because the easiest option there is to just be the presenter's friend, blame management every time. Ah, oh, really sorry, presenter. Um, i know i don't agree either i think this is rubbish but we've just got to do it so and so told me um that might get you the result but it's i think a very bad way of dealing with it i think explaining to them and helping them understand why we need to do things in a certain way um so as they kind of they understand the strategy if if there is a strategy in the first place and, and not setting one against the other that's maybe what i mean by being that middle man the person that just pulls it all together and makes it all gel so so there is there is never a them and us. I think that's probably the worst trait in a producer and it happens with maybe most producers, that, um, you know, they don't manage to position themselves in the, in the right bit of the middle. So what's what's that skill? That is diplomacy, that's um, management, managing upwards and downwards and sideways and... Managing expectations and communication incredibly important. So you know, does you're well briefed by your management team or your your exec producer say, are you relaying all that information to your presenter if they're not getting it direct? Does, does everyone have all the same information because you're the person right at the center of everything with I think the most important role. Um, in terms of other traits. Turn up on time. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> always have a backup plan as well.
2: Yes, very true. But no, as you were saying about middleman, or i someone I work with actually said the other day that it's a good producer is like a cheerleader for the show they work on for the rest of the network and the rest of the team. but It's also a cheerleader for the station and the station's objectives to the presenter. And it's, as you say, that's really tricky because. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Is easy I think that's a really good way decide, of describing
1: yeah. it. That that description's spot on. That's a far more concise version of what I was trying to say there.
2: Okay, well, that's Tony Murray <laughs> you can thank for that. <laughs> um, and looking towards, like, what, the current state of radio and the future of radio, like, what, with your ACAST hat on or not, what is the future for radio, <laughs> do you think?
1: Um, I mean, I, 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 I'm i I'm not, I wish I was the oracle, the all-seeing eye, but, you know, I, I couldn't necessarily answer that for sure. My personal opinion is that radio has a really exciting future as long as it continues to adapt um, as a medium, as a way of getting content to an audience. And if it doesn't continue to adapt, it absolutely will fall behind. Um, we're a long way away from that. Um, what is it? What was the latest R? Was it something like eighty percent of the population? These are made-up figures. Something like eighty percent of the population listen to radio. That's huge. So to argue that radio is is dying wouldn't be correct. But the younger end absolutely are not listening to the radio in the way that I did as a fifteen-year-old and ultimately led me to get in, getting into it. I've got three kids. Two, you know, the, the, my oldest are ten and uh, seven, nearly eight. Um, they don't listen to the radio despite the fact that we have four radios on in the house at any one time. So they're exposed to radio constantly. But it's not something that they gravitate towards in the way that I mean, maybe they're a little bit too young to be fair, but I'm not seeing signs that they're they're gonna go there. Because if they want to listen to music, they will go to Spotify. Um if they want to listen to speech content, although well, they don't really, but if they did, they would they may go towards podcasts or even audiobooks, because they do listen to some audiobooks. Um, so there is a problem but clearly there are a bunch of uh, brilliant uh, brains in youth radio trying to work that out and trying to reinvent radio for younger audiences and I think a large part of that is about just being on the right platforms and also injecting that personality back in and making sure that it is more than just a playlist. Um, but also maybe making you know on-demand content available so that people can listen to stuff as and when they want it whatever. That audience and the, the the next generation of radio audience is looking for. That's basically what we have to do as an industry. Be that the content that we generate and, and produce, or the platforms that we're on, or you know when we make it available to be listened to. It's 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 got it. It's got a future as part of the mix for sure. But Spotify are not messing around. They've got very 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 deep pockets. Neither are Apple. Podcasting I think's really interesting. Clearly that's. Um, I've moved into more into the podcasting side of things uh most recently in my career. It's really exciting. It's exploded. Um, you know, podcast listening is just huge. And I think that is because of the ability that podcasting has to give people a far wider range of content that maybe suits their needs better. And niche doesn't have to be tiny. It can be big if it's global or national. Um, it's also, uh, you know, you're not beholden to a time schedule. Uh, you don't have to finish at the top of the hour for news. Um, you don't really have to think too much about whether or not swearing is right. If you think it's right for your podcast, you will do that. Um, as long as it's on the right side of the law and so on, so it's just if if you're looking for edgy, it can be edgy. If it's if if you're looking for comfortable, it can be really comfortable. It's very personal. All all a lot of what I'm describing there, I think, are are traditional traits of radio. Not all of them, but you know the, the the intimate nature of it, the one-on-one thing that we've always talked about as as radio producers. Um, but I think with podcasting, even even more so. So podcasting absolutely is another example of. What could be seen as a threat to radio, but clearly radio groups, commercial and BBC, see that as an opportunity. And the BBC in particular, through BBC Sounds, are releasing a lot of podcast content, realising that that's another way to create great audio content that that reaches both a younger and older demographic. So that's part of that thing of just constantly reinventing. I mean, what is radio anyway? Our podcasts radio? I mean, it's audio content that you listen to with your ears. So. It's just just slightly different form, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's that thing of trying to explain what a podcast is to your parent. And it does, yeah, come down to uh, kind of like radio, basically. You just (laughs) don't end up like that. Yeah,
1: uh, someone said this to me recently, like trying to answer the question what is a podcast? And they've concluded, and I agree with this, a podcast is basically whatever you want it to be, whatever you think your audience wants to listen to is a podcast. Um could we say that the same is that the same in, in radio? What is what is radio? Radio is a means of transmission, but the content itself can be anything. It can be whatever you think your audience wants to hear. Um so if over time music intensive stations think they want maybe injecting more personality would be a good thing, great, do that. If you think it's the opposite and maybe there's more to be had by having more jukebox type radio stations, um with the right music and the right production. Great, do that. It's got the flexibility. Um, It just has to adapt or it will die, but I don't think it will.
2: You mentioned BBC Sounds, but are there any specific stations or brands who you think are doing well on the adapting?
1: I think those that, if you're talking about the commercial space, those that have realized the opportunity that exists commercially in podcasting, where it is possible to create some really compelling standout content that audiences will listen to through podcast platforms and um, that maybe you don't limit by own, only making available in one place that ultimately if you get the audience the brands and advertisers will follow and i think i think commercial radio networks possibly have a little further to go on that but some are doing it fairly well um with some quite strong um news brands actually in particular in the podcast space um where they've created these strong podcast brands that are maybe linked to the radio station or the parent company's brand um that have big audiences and importantly they're selling it's a new revenue stream for them where they can monetize um outside of the traditional radio linear format so the smart ones in commercial radio are doing that well i think and that i think is you know i haven't really talked about that have i but the commercial opportunity in podcasting is huge um, If you and and the, 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 the opportunity to get that audience in the first place is there for the taking if you can come up with the right content and you might have to think outside of the box and maybe take yourself away from the core radio station to get that but it doesn't mean you have to go away from the core radio station values but create that content build an audience by promoting it in the right way and the revenue theoretically will follow um, and, you know, there are plenty of global examples of that. I mean, as in global worldwide, where, you know, iHeart, NPR, big, big American networks have been created off the back of successful radio stations. And they're, you know, it's uh, back to that thing that I was saying before about, you know, maybe maybe it is radio. It's just a different format, isn't it? It's a different way of getting audio content to an audience and then monetizing it.
3: It's been a fascinating conversation, Adam, because uh, because you you straddle both worlds, and there's one that we know very well, which is radio, and there's one that we get getting to grips with, which is podcasting. And it's great to hear your positivity that radio has an opportunity to get in there, which is great. So, if you if, think about you as a producer back now, and take your corporate hat off, if you like, is there anyone? that you have never... I mean, you've worked with Steve Wright, so that's kind of high up the list, I think. But anyone that you never got to work with that you wish... you think, I wish I had made a radio programme with this person. Who would it be? Who's your dream talent?
1: It's actually really simple. Um, and, and I say this because this was my breakfast show when I was 16, um, and it was Chris Evans. I, I, I didn't even talk about that when talking about influences my original influences of course are actually were actually the presenters that i grew up listening to you know in fact it was two it was steve Lamac on at the time the radio one evening session and it, that radio show got me passionately into music that's where i learned about music that's where i learned to love it and clearly i looked up to steve Lamac as someone that did that uh, and you know there's a huge influence um i i i didn't uh, really work with him at six music maybe a little bit on the odd project here and there but then as i said the the like the the big breakfast show the the entertainment breakfast show that i grew up on was evans i mean i i loved that show i would record bits of it if i was going to miss it and listen back to it later in the day um and i did work at radio too at the time he was on breakfast but i didn't i didn't get to work with him and i you know you're talking about people with very very high standards my understanding is He's one of them as well uh, and I'm sure I would, le- would have learned an, off- an, an awful lot from working on that show um, but again it comes goes back to who inspired you in the first place and um, probably him
3: uh, We're just going to close with uh, to see whether you can do this just for uh, entertain- our own entertainment here uh, is there a moment in your radio career that you could describe if you had to as OMG
1: Yes producing Steve Wright um, and just for the record I'm, I'm not a conservative voter never will be um but i was sat in the studio uh and we were getting the show ready and jeremy vine is on the air and the door to the studio opened and david cameron just popped his head in no one came in in advance to check for bombs any any kind of security he just opened the door popped his head in and said excuse me do you mind if i popped in and say hi to steve <laughs> all right <laughs> Yeah, sure. I think I might have even said something awful, like "You're the Prime Minister, you can do what you want." <laughs> Which I regret. Um, and yeah, he did that, and he walked in, and he shook Steve's hand, and they had a you know a superficial, polite chat, and then he just walked away. I think he'd just been a guest in the Jeremy Vine show and decided just to pop in. And I was like, I said as soon as he left, I said to Steve, do "You know what? I, I, it takes a lot to impress me, but that really impressed me." Um, and just that just made me go, "Wow." Um, despite clearly uh, my political beliefs uh, around him, it's still <laughs> well, so, to me, I guess working with a radio presenter that the you know the prime minister would just want to come in and say hi to. You. I don't necessarily think they knew each other. I think it was just one of these because he could.
3: So this was while he was PM, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it was absolutely while he was PM.
3: And, yeah. and so fine. And so you you your message to him, Prime Minister, you can do what you're the Prime Minister, you can do whatever you want. He then went and did Brexit. So I held <laughs> <hold> you, <laughs> you completely uh, responsible for that. I know. I really um, meant you can walk into the studio if you like. Of course, um, but you might have taken that the wrong way. You in terms of know. the things that
1: I can control. What am supposed to say? No. Uh,
3: because I don't like you. Um, <laughs> um, have you got an uh, and, and have you got a FFS moment as well? Um
1: The answer is yes. <laughs> can't think it. Yes, of course I do. I'm genuinely trying to think. Oh, no, okay. All right. When I was a presenter still at Beat 106 um, and we were doing an outside broadcast uh, in advance of, I think it was the Edinburgh Hogmanay Street Party, we were going to be taking a, a concert live to air and we were broadcasting from, I think it was like the office, sales office in Edinburgh and we were connected by ISDN, if you remember that. Um, and the SDN line just kept dropping in and out. I think I was just doing my links only, and the music was being played back in the studio, so I would put my mic up, say something, someone else would press the button, music would play, and the ISDN line kept dropping out. You know how you can hear it in your headphones, just like that little, that little clippy noise? And I heard it again, and I was so, so pissed off by this point. It had happened 10 times, it was going badly, um, and I still had my mic up. And I just said, because uh, we'd fallen off air, basically, I hate this pile of MF, C, W, S. <laughs> you know, use your own imagination for what they stand for. Basically, on a whole range of expletives. You probably couldn't have created a m- more offensive range of expletives in a row. It made no sense either. Um, I hate this pile of this, 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 outside broadcast. Fuck sake, basically F Sake. Um and and then I, I know it, it, it came back on a little bit afterwards, but my colleague at the time, Mark Finlay, who I think you both probably know, who became my boss quite soon after, came in and said, Do you swear on the radio I went, No, <laughs> what are you talking about? He went, Oh, my girlfriend uh was in the shower and she's absolutely convinced that she heard you utter this really offensive string of swear words on the air. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We'd fallen off air, and clearly, I went back and checked the logger, um, and absolutely, the whole thing went out on air. <laughs> um, Amazing. But it, it resurfaced years later on one of these Anorak sites as an example of awful swearing on the radio.
3: Oh, really? So um, someone, had, someone had captured it. Someone, yeah, it. someone
1: had it. Someone oh, had wow. it. Um, wow. But yeah, just just awful, um, awful selection of swear words on the radio.
2: Amazing. That was an
1: FFS moment.
2: Well, what a I way think to
3: end. it's a great way to end. Absolutely, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it's been it's been a fascinating conversation, Adam. Thank you very much indeed Always. for coming on the Thank show. you.
1: Thank you to you both. Re-
3: so, thanks for listening to this episode of Reproducer. And if you like that, remember there are more episodes for you to go and check out as well. Uh, and if you click subscribe, whenever we put more up, you'll get an alert telling you about them. So, it'd be great if you did that too. Thank you so much for listening. Re- Re-
1: Reproducer. Reproducer. <laughs>